And Jesus said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Hello, everyone. This is A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi to talk about preparations, about being ready, about being prepared. Zellin, how's it going? Oh, things are going good, Willie. It's actually a little bit on the, the warm side today. I went outside without a coat, although I, I, I don't know what it is exactly. It might be maybe 40 degrees, but considering how cold it's been recently, that's practically a heat wave in this part of the world. <laughs> you know, we had some like 50 degree days last week and now we're kind of creeping back down into uh, cold again. I don't like it. <laughs> well, the only thing that makes me nervous about this right now and about this whole winter so far in general is that we haven't gotten a whole lot of snow and we're already kind of in a dry spell to begin life. So I'm kind of hoping that we get some good snowfall here later, either this month or maybe next month uh, so that we can make up for uh, that dryness and just be ready for in the spring. Otherwise, it might be a pretty hard year, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Have you uh, begun uh, garden prepping? Have you got seed and everything yet, or are you you just waiting? Uh, I'm waiting a little bit because up here this far north, I can't really start planting until like late May anyway. And so I really, I got time, but I'm, I'm hoping to, to put in a new garden bed this year and to kind of expand what we were doing uh, just as a, a way of, of just doing a little bit more. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And maybe we'll do a follow-up to the gardening episode in light of this episode uh, a little bit down the road. You know, <laughs> we're going to get Bukes on to talk about uh, animal husbandry or something, something along those lines. Um, I think it'd be good. I think how it'd to, be good. Yeah, how to, how to be a successful pastor and run a goat farm like Bukes <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> 101. It'll be right? good. Well, so today we are going to talk about preparation. I've avoided the prepping word thus far uh, so as not to flag anything right out the gate, but I suppose that's going to happen. Uh, Zellin, why are we talking about this particular subject today? Mostly because preparation is something that a Christian should always do. You know, we should always be ready for what is to come, when, whether we're talking about what is physical, what, you know, or mental preparation or spiritual preparation. But I think I'm also bringing this up because as of late, I mean, things are getting a little bit more I don't know how you want to put it, Willie. Sketchy. Things are kind of <laughs> dire, perhaps dire. <laughs> and I'm not. It's just to, to be realistic about the situation we're going into and and also the way that our culture has turned. I mean, Christians in general are going to have to face some difficult times ahead. And maybe we as Americans in general are also going to be facing some difficult times ahead, whether economically or politically or whatever it may be. So. It, it's important for us as Christians to simply be ready for whatever may come. Right. So today we're going to focus on physical, mental, and spiritual preparation. Because it can't only, you know, there's a fine line between being prepared for something and uh, just uh, being like the rich fool. Right. You know, and I don't think that 
that to be prepared for something, that to have you know canned goods on hand is denying the words of Christ here, as some would. Because better Christians than us uh, would prepare for all summer for the winter that was to come, for example. Right. So you know you're not you're not putting your faith in storehouses or anything like that. You're just simply making uh, it's it's a wise use of the time. Uh, you can prepare yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually for the tasks ahead of us, or you can just veg out on Netflix or YouTube or something again. So you know it is it is an important topic to to take up. We have already seen, just in the last few weeks, physical strain and economic strain in our country. We have seen over the last year a mental stressor that has been forced upon people and has driven many insane. Right. And I do believe that the physical and mental struggle sessions <laughs> that people have been subjected to over the last year or so is a, is a spiritual issue as well. And so all of these things are we're talking about is with an eye toward discernment and toward real action. You know, now is not the time to, to really play games with things and it never has been, but now even more, uh, we need to consider the time, consider the evil, the evils of the age and what that's going to mean for us going, going forward. And so it's going to be a, um, a return to localism. It's going to be a return to some form of self-reliance. No longer can we, get our lobbying organization out there and hope to court the electorate and, and win things over. We, that doesn't work. That doesn't bear fruit. So now the Christians at the local level are going to have to build community again. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, I think ultimately we'll be better spiritually for it. Our souls will be in better shape, if not our bank accounts. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that when we're talking, like you mentioned with, you know, sometimes people might view preparation as being somehow faithless or somehow, you know, something that, that we're not really trusting in Christ to take care of us. But like, I mean, as, as we read in the, you know, the beginning of this episode, you know, that Christ is calling for us to be prepared for things. And also, like you say, just making use of the time, because I mean, what, what are we going to do mentally, physically, or spiritually when we find ourselves in a much worse situation than we are right now? Are you going to be ready for the time when it might actually cost something? Or are we going to be ready for the time when, you know, we are going to have to struggle economically or struggle, you know, mentally with living in this world? I mean, yes, we're looking forward to something greater and something far more important, and that is ultimately our hope. But that does not excuse a kind of flabbiness and laziness on our part. Yeah, absolutely. And so then let's go on into our first topic, then physical prep, what we're calling physical preparation. Sure. What do we mean by that? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, what what do we really mean, or what are we going to say on the show? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, this would be just being physically prepared for difficult times, whether that's f difficult times because of an economic situation, like I know with with gas gas prices currently on the rise, you know, people are going to start feeling a a economic strain in a much greater degree than we have in, pre in a, the, even the past few years, especially the disruptions of this past year, or whether it's because of, you know, just that our culture is becoming increasingly more vocal in its opposition to Christ and to and those who follow after Christ. You know, maybe this difficult times will be physically difficult for us as Christians as well. Yeah. So what that's going to look like, you may well find that Christian businesses 
lose their bank accounts or access to them, that Christian websites will no longer be platformed. The, the whole, oh, you know, this whole like Twitter, Facebook debate where they just ban everything or even YouTube. And, and then now we're seeing banks and other other platforms do this where people, the old canard was always, well, if you don't like it, just build your own website. OK, we did that. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not going to host it. Well, if you don't like it, build your own this. So basically the argument now and a daily reminder that libertarianism and Christianity are not friends. <laughs> the argument now is, well, if you want. If you want to have a business, you have to have your own bank, start your own, start your own hosting service, buy your own servers, do all of this. I mean, it's it's amazing how, for the sake of the quote unquote market, that so called Christians would be willing to to make themselves second class citizens. You know, right. uh, amazing. Uh, we've gone from bake the cake to you know absolutely driving Christian businesses underground in certain cases. And people will say, well, it's not come to that yet. Well, well, brethren, things are moving awfully fast. Right. So it it is coming down the pike. Think about where we were even, say, five years ago yeah. when it came to some of these things. And now look at where we are with, you know, with even whole websites being deplatformed because, right. you know, they're not conf- they're not towing the line with big tech or, you know, whatever it, it wants to purport. Yeah, and, and you're seeing, you know, books uh, taken off of Amazon, uh, for example. Now, I, I'm not necessarily against banning books. It's just I want the right books banned. Yeah, <laughs> but right. <laughs> but some somehow I think Jeff Bezos and I might have a different philosophy on what needs to go and what needs to stay. So undoubtedly. Yeah. So basically you have and we've always we've had this for a long time an anti-Christian apparatus installed in every sphere of power in government, technology, and business. That's just kind of the way it is and perhaps always has been. But, you know, Andrew Carnegie, much closer to the kingdom than any oligarch that we have today. I'll put it that way. So you, you don't have open assault, like literal assault, like what you had with the Jews at the beginning of the book of Acts, or like what you have with the Romans a little bit later on or the communists and things like that yet, you know, maybe we'll get there, but you have this attempt to just absolutely destroy the livelihoods of Christians over their beliefs. And that's not a good place to find oneself beyond the persecution side though, just culturally and economically, we are seeing a great downturn. We are seeing things go south pretty quick. We're seeing the cost of food and gasoline go up rather quickly. So these two things together, whether you know Christian or not, are not looking well. And then you see something like in Texas, where all the Texans boasted until their water pipes blew up in 28 right. degrees. But right. not to make light of that situation at all, that's not my intent, but how quickly Texas turned into a third world country, you know, very quickly for a few weeks. Right. And uh, the fallout from, and you know, there are all kinds of reasons and green energy stuff, perhaps why that was made worse than it was in the power grid. We're not going to get into that sort of thing. That's for a different, uh, that's for a different podcast. And maybe we start selling like uh, herbal supplements or something. We'll talk about that more. But no, what we have then is, and it's, it's good for Americans to see this, how fragile society really is, how fragile our supply chains are. How modern agriculture, not always the healthiest thing for us. And so there, we've given you three or four already really good reasons to prepare for people who would try to take your livelihood from you 
from the hand of providence in the weather, you know, you know, God's providence that would send, you know, these disasters to befall us, to bring us to a sober repentance. So for at least these two reasons, we can see why it's reasonable that Christians would be ready. So, so what does that look like? What are some practical ways in which someone can physically prepare for hard times? To speak extremely practically, you know, just to be a little bit more self-sufficient when it comes to your the food for your family would be one real good example. I mean, we're obviously big fans of gardening on this on this podcast, and we're going to continue to emphasize that because it's it's a wholesome and a godly thing to do. And just, you know, being a little bit more able to not rely on those supply chains, especially when they go down. I mean, they are, they're good things and they're good to have, but they're not always going to be there. I mean, we saw that in 2020 with all the disruptions. We've seen that even recently. You know, we, we need to be ready for really any possibility. Yeah, absolutely. So there's gardening, there's canning, there's mm-hmm. getting to know other like-minded people, uh, have all of the, to- the tools necessary that you need. And I'm going to use tool in a very broad sense and things that those tools use. And you can read between the lines there. <laughs> okay. So just be, be, be prepared for that. Uh, learn skills, learn canning, learn how to, how to field dress an animal, learn how to preserve foods, learn how to smoke things. Even if disaster doesn't befall you, these are all good skills to have anyway. Learn what herbs do what. You know, all of this stuff sounds like a lot, but you can you can learn this. These were skills that until two generations ago were passed down uh, from parent to children. And then the baby boom happened. Right. And, and that didn't happen anymore. So you barely had anything passed down. So on a, on a very practical level, you know, at least have enough food on hand for two weeks. Food and water. Two weeks worth of food and water for everyone in your household. Very reasonable. Two weeks... You know, that's about the average for when things get really bad. Although, you know, some of my my good friends in Kentucky after this last ice storm were well over two weeks without power. You didn't hear about that in the news because Appalachia, nobody cares, but it happened. So at least two weeks. If you can't do two weeks, try for 72 hours. Those sorts of things. Get non-perishable food items. Having a freezer is good, but no electricity. Now the clock's ticking on your freezer, right? Right. You know, just have some non-perishable stuff ready to go. You know, don't make it and don't don't cheap out on it. Don't just like have 14 number 10 cans of pumpkin pie filling or something like that. <laughs> you know, have things on hand to keep morale up. Powers out. What are you going to do? Have board games around, have books, real physical books around, candles, these sorts of things. All about just simply uh, being ready. Now, those are short-term emergency preparedness, which I think anybody reasonably can agree upon. But long-term is where we talk about network building. This is really where the canning skills, the gardening skills, hunting or the raising of animals, those sorts of things, perhaps chickens. That's more of the long-term kind of kind of preparation. There is a lot of good uh, literature out there, a lot of good um, gardening books and, and books to help you get prepared for this kind of thing. Head on over to WordFitly Posting or shoot us an email or something like that. If you would like some of these book recommendations, we'd be happy to get them to you. So we'll try to all kinds of practical advice. Yeah. We'll, we'll include some links in the show notes too. Right. right. Uh, Zelman, do you have any practical advice? Well, I mean, 
I think you kind of hit on a lot of the major ones because, you know, this the just being ready for what is to come, especially in the short term when that preparation is the most crucial is probably the biggest one. But I do think that, you know, trying to, to learn how to even even, you know, providing food for yourself and like learning how to prepare from more raw type ingredients would also be good because I know in our American culture, we tend to rely pretty heavily on, you know, foods that have either been prepared for us or even, you know, largely processed and they're convenient. And there's not, there's nothing denying that. I mean, they are convenient and it's nice to have, but you know, you can also save quite a bit of money in the long run if you, you know, go towards these more raw type ingredients, like, you know, learning how to bake bread, for example, and, you know, doing that kind of thing, I think can also be very helpful in the, in the long run as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also you'll find that um, it's delicious too. Extremely. <laughs> yeah. It's just good for you, you know, and you can make dry beans work. You can make rice work, you know, sorry, like, you know, people who want to go totally, uh, uh, you know, keto. Um, I get it. I, I kind of like some of the, the thought behind those kind of diets. But in hard times, finding that much meat <laughs> could be a little bit tricky if you're not if you're not actually prepared. So a lot of this will be doing without things that we want. And if we're honest, why, you know, why is it so easy to go to fast food or, or take in all these, you know, sugars and seed oils and things like that? They're cheap. They're convenient. And they're delicious and our brains get addicted to them. And right. so we turn to that. So there is going to be kind of a detox that's going to happen in these times that we don't really prepare. I know we're kind of towing the line between physical and mental here, but you know, a lot of sugar, high fructose corn syrup, not your friend. It's an <laughs> addictive thing and it's not, it's not the best for you. And so uh, there's going to be a great a period of uh, a detoxing, I guess we'll say. Uh, once that happens, you know, our diet is so different from our grandparents, for example. Well, and you can also, I mean, just thinking of like the really addictive stuff, say like soft drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're fine as they are or whatever, but if we're going to be cut off from them or find them very difficult to acquire, you know, you can either just learn to do without them because, you know, we can sure. do without them or, I mean, our, our ancestors used to make soft drinks. I mean, it's really not that hard. Sure. And, you know, we, we mostly focus on the food here, but obviously you need tools, you need skills to repair your home, have right. some blankets on hand. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some kind of backup heat source. Right. If your climate, you know, <laughs> demands it, yeah. you know, if you're prepping in South Florida, well, a little bit different, but, you know, up your way, people would definitely need an emergency heat source. So if they don't have wood already or kerosene, you know, some kind of backup like that would be would be very handy. And I, I, I do think, especially in wintertime, you know, we, we understand the need for preparation, especially like in our vehicles and stuff when we could become easily stranded. But we just want to learn to apply that not only to travel and the times when we might be more immediately in danger, but also just to all of life in general. You know, beyond that, um, you know, things like medication, first aid supplies, that sort of thing. Learn some of that stuff, too. All very practical stuff. It's probably our most practical episode. One of them, yes. <laughs> one of them, one of them, yes. We'll do a we'll do a woodworking or a reloading or something sometime. But no, uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, these things are might not be what everybody wants to hear. But you know, when when you're looking at an assault on your way of life, a threat to your livelihood, you know, from a philosophical point, 
Uh, and then from a, from a uh, weather perspective, you know, somewhere in between, I think we can all agree on this, that, that some reasonable acquisition of skills and provisions is, is godly at the very least. Well, I mean, like, like, I mean, like it says in the scriptures, you know, you want to be able to provide for your own, because if you can't provide for your own, that makes you, I mean, how does Paul put it worse than an unbeliever? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so dads start lifting, bro. Dads <laughs> uh, start learning how to do some stuff, get some skills and, uh, you know, go from there. Well, we're at our first break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this. The word of the Lord says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. You can check out all of the Word Fitly Spoken podcasts on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi talking about preparation. Well, we talked a little bit about physical preparation for hard times. And, you know, Zell, when I went through that whole segment, didn't mention amateur radio even once. That was my <laughs> fault. Get some radios. All right. Well, now we can remedy that right now. No, no, it's fixed. So, yeah. Amateur radio is your friend. So look into it. All right. Now, this is a, this is an interesting one. So we understand physical preparation. Most people do. Most people, you know, they get really cranky if they miss even even one meal. Lent is very hard on the modern loof. And so, you know, we got to, you know, we understand the pangs of hunger. Uh, mental preparation, though, can sometimes be harder on people in the long term, um, or even in the short term, rather, uh, because they don't think about that. Uh, they don't They don't think about what that means and perhaps they don't even consider how they've been mentally deceived or even mentally conditioned by right. various outside factors. So tell us a little bit about mental preparation, Zelda. What we mean by mental preparation is to be like mentally ready. I mean, kind of physiologically ready for harder times because we have lived in times when it has been relatively easy to acquire things, when it's relatively easy to say, even be a Christian and we need to harden ourselves in some sense for what could be, you know, a coming reality. Even if that reality never comes, you know, we want to learn how to not really be so dependent on the things that are around us, to not really be so, you know, dependent on the world, but learn to look past these things and to look towards the things that, you know, are truly important. I think that would be a, a succinct way of putting mental preparation. Yeah, it's a, it's a question of perspective. Right. You know, one of the things that's so hard for the Christian is respectability, the esteem of the world. Many people crave that. We are moving further and further away 
from a true biblical Christian having any respect from the broader world. Right. Uh, in America, that ship has certainly sailed. And we see people want to compromise on that because they have a mental need for that dopamine hit that comes from likes and reshares and things like that. Oftentimes what I see is when there's any pushback on traditional Christian doctrines, especially moral issues, of course, all doctrine is a moral issue at the end of the day, because right. bad theology is a moral problem, Zellin, neither here nor there. Amen. So, you know, it'll be like something with a, like a homosexual issue, right? And instead of standing like, in, you know, standing firm on the biblical position, it'll turn into, but I have a ton of gay friends, you know, right. so why won't you listen? Why won't you, you know, accept me? Because, you know, I'm from a very gay town or something like that. You know, I've seen this time and time again. It's it's kind of like, but I have black friends. You know, it's that argument. Right. So what you have is um, this desire for acceptance. And it's it's a very worldly desire for acceptance. I don't believe in many cases it's, well, no, I want to be all things to all men. You know, uh, because, you know, don't push that argument too far. But anyway what they um you know what they do is it's this desire to be seen and to be heard and not necessarily for the best things we need to make sure that we are not going after worldly respectability because i promise you if you are in any way publicly contending for the true christian faith you're probably going to get banned at some point or blocked or muted or something like that right because this is because this is what we're dealing with now. It's kind of a digital sort of thing. It's soon going to be a physical thing, I believe, more so than anything. But right now, you're seeing the beginnings of it in media censorship. Well, and how often do you see it happen, like in social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever the case may be, where somebody will make a statement that you know is actually contending for something that is true, but then they immediately backpedal on it and kind of try to soften it or try to make it something less than what it actually is, you know, kind of like what you were saying, Willie, you know, but I, but I have, you know, these kinds of friends. So that means that I'm not, I'm not doing this out of hatred or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Instead of just saying, you know, this is what the Lord says, this is what is actually the truth. I mean, think about, think about the, if the prophets had Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and really, you know, we're to the point where the, the, it's the crazies that are telling biblical Christians that they are crazy. Right. And and the people that are supposed to be on our side are siding with the crazy people. It's it's a very a very strange thing, and it's like there's a whole section of especially Lutherans out there now that don't want to be associated with the word fundamentalist at all. Like they would rather hang out with with Christians who deny every central doctrine of the faith because they look cool, right? It's it's a it's a it's a shame is is what it is, and it's not Lutheran, frankly. It's something else. It's something demonic but it ain't Lutheran. Well, but how, how often have you seen it too, where people will latch on to public figures or even mildly public figures who seem to say something similar to our own ideas, or, you know, something yeah. similar to what we're trying to contend for, but in other ways, they're completely opposed to what it is that we're doing. Sure. Can you, can you give an example? Well, I mean, you, you see people who will latch on to, you know, conservatives who also, you know, profess to be homosexual, for example. And say like, oh, sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. Talk about conservatism and degeneracy. Just look at the latest CPAC stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the strange thing, like MAGA drag queens and what in the world is going on, Republicans? Or you'll have churches who are hosting 
like non-believers in their churches to be speakers under the guise of politics, right? Right. I mean, that's a that's a line right there, right? Yeah, that's a strange, especially for the, for Lutherans. Very strange. Yeah. So th- this is the problem, though. This is the problem with civic nationalism, Zellin, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it it really is. Ultimately, we are going to be united. A human is going to be united by two things. A true shared lineage or Jesus Christ. And the two don't have to be separate at all. Both of those are fine. Right. But when we try to identify and unite and do really great things based simply upon some secular ideology, it's not going to work. It's not going to last. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, you'll get these these conservative commentators, and sometimes they'll give lip service to Christianity, although in the case of one particular one, fast-talking one, he, he, you know, he'll tweet out anti-Christian things and then still get uh, invited to conservative Christian events, all right. because of the political thing. To me, personally, that's a problem. And as you say, it's an example of this, this wanting to be uh, accepted by the broader world. Right. And, and I know that the argument's going to be, no, we're trying to have a united front so that we can fight these things. And like, okay, but how far can you be united? How, how close really are Christians united in, in belief and thought to certain movements? Truly. Right. Yeah. And, and we need to think about that and, and make sober judgments based upon that. And to recognize that, you know, these this trying to find alliances or something like that for the sake of saving Western civilization or however it's usually touted. I mean, yeah, it's, is it really going to be all that helpful in the end? You know, yeah. we really do have to find. Well, is, is, a, is, is a Western civilization without Christ worth it? No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, Christianity built Western. Christian, yeah, right. But as soon as they have abandoned Christ, they are no longer civilized. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. so um, are we talking about a Christian empire? Well, not necessarily an empire at first, but we were talking about Christian nations, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. This is something we've kind of got out of the weeds here, but whatever. This idea, okay, here, this idea that a government does not need to belief is is silly to me if if governments are okay if the, if leaders are human beings and every human being must bend the knee to Christ then even governments will have to and will Christ is described in political terms in revelation i mean in in all throughout the scriptures he right. is a king right. his kingdom is not of this world but that doesn't mean that he is not sovereign king of everything right so it's okay to advocate for Christian positions within government. And when Christians, you know, everybody's surprised when a real Christian is elected to an office and then votes like a Christian. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so that, that, yeah. And so, and so we've gotten all mixed up and to get it back to the mental thing, we have in our own minds put this dichotomy between the secular and the sacred or, or, or governments and the church. Well, you know, even in, coming out of the Reformation, the political theories that come out of that, like two kingdoms and things like that, well, that they still expected the government to be Christian. Right. <laughs> you know, Luther's still writing, not wanting the Turk to take over because he doesn't want to live in an Islamic state. Neither does the Pope, for that matter. So people sort of understood this. Well, even his comments about how, you know, better to have like a, a, good, yeah. a good Turk rather than a bad Turk. Sure something like that. I mean, even that can be, it should not be stretched so far as to say that, you know, it doesn't ultimately matter. 
because yeah, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Right. And obviously the best of all possibilities is to have a good Christian leader. I mean, that's, can, can anyone really argue against that? Yeah. Luther wouldn't have lived as long as he did. Did he not have a Christian leader sympathetic to his theology? The, the reformation is both theological and political. Right. Without question. So mentally, so to say all that, to say, uh, don't let your brain get twisted by a kind of political peer pressure that you have. Now, we certainly have certain political leanings here, and we definitely lean conservative. But now, as you say, uh, the label conservative can be a little bit loaded. Right, right. So we're leaving behind the desire for respectability and worldly elevation, and we're going to ignore, as far as we can, the assaults of the world. So to, to develop a skin, if you're not hungry for the uh, the applause of the world and the praise of the world, then you can more easily ignore the assaults of them. And in this case, we're talking about insults, I would say. Yeah, insults or, you know, being ostracized or, you know, even even getting banned on Twitter or something like that. You know, that can really seriously affect people mentally if they're not ready for it. You know, yeah. it might even drive somebody to say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to backpedal on this because, you know, don't block me. You know, we can still have this conversation or whatever. At some point, you just have to say, fine. I mean, even even Jesus says, you know, if they won't receive you, dust, you know, shake the feet off uh, the dust off your feet as you leave. I mean, there there comes a point when you just have to say, okay, you know, that's it, and and to be done with it. We have to yeah. deal with the the reality of living in a hostile world. Right. See, this is why I think there's there are so great um, assaults on the family and community. It's because uh, they know that that is where this kind of strength is found you know, Christian community, Christian families, especially. And it's easier to be kind and to be Christian when you're looking someone face to face. It's much easier to be vicious from far off. And so the people politically above us are so far off that we mean, we mean nothing to them. So they want you to be focused on things away from you, things far off that really don't have anything to do with you or things that don't matter at all. You know, social media likes that kind of thing. Learn to appreciate what God has given you immediately. Learn to appreciate spouse and children and Christian friends. Learn to appreciate the what's growing in the garden, to go back to that. Learn to appreciate every good thing that comes from the hand of God. And even learn to appreciate the chastisement that comes from his hand. I do believe that our nation is being turned over uh, to judgment, and that is part of the Lord's chastisement, and that the Christian will learn something from this. For even the faithful remnant during the exile still suffered despite their faith. Right. And so that that's a good thing. We need to look at ourselves as a faithful remnant. And I do believe that we should fight for our country because we should fight for our people. Now, I mean, fight, you know, you can't even say that anymore, but we should contend. You know, it's worth contending for your communities. It's worth building your community, not disparaging it. Right. Yeah. And, and the community, you know, especially being that which is actually immediately around you. I know it's it's very easy to sometimes run to say like the internet and to form like a a Facebook group or something like yeah that. yeah D- Discord servers and things like that cannot replace uh, physical occupation. Well, or, or say even like the the physical church, for example, just one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and let's let's spend the last few minutes talking about that uh, mental preparation and uh, virtual church. Okay, it is it is mentally beneficial to be in church. In real church, physically within the church. Without question. Yeah, it is 
we we cannot at this point measure the social harm that has been done by locking people in nursing homes and closing church doors and refusing to hold worship services. I believe that ultimately the people who were able to come to real worship, to true in-person worship, are going to be much more uh, mentally healthy than those who didn't, by and large. I, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially because, you know, God does not intend for us to be, you know, virtually together or the virtual body of Christ or however you want to term it. You know, to to be the body is not this abstract thing that's out there somewhere and we try to find it wherever we can. You know, God has given us the body to be part of the body in a really in a real tangible place. I mean, think of I mean, think of the metaphor itself. You don't have a virtual body. You have a physical one. You know, are are you going to start dealing with the needs of your own body in a in a virtual way? I mean, yes, I understand that there's difficult situations. I know people are dealing with some things that are very often outside of their hands. But at the same time, you know, we need to be together. And maybe maybe that's one of the main messages of of this whole episode is to be, you know, like you say, to be local, to actually gather together with like minded Christians and to be ready for whatever may come, because it is in the the body it is in the body of Christ the local body of Christ that we will actually be able to weather any storm absolutely the christians were driven underground but they went underground together right you know when they could they were still worshiping communally underground you know to say nothing of the fact that the sacraments cannot be digital we need those things that is essential food for the journey it's almost as if god uh, intended church to be physical for a reason ellen Imagine that. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's like he has reasons for doing things. I, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, and so we get together, we build one another up, as the scriptures say. Catechesis continues because we're going to need that. And that's going to be essential. Thinking right is essential to being mentally healthy, too. Sure. You have yeah. to think rightly about the world. So you have to think according to the scriptures. And if if we have a doctrine or, or, or a worldview, we'll say that is not in accord with the scriptures, even in a single point, then we should reevaluate that. And maybe maybe as a, a last tidbit then for, for this section, talking about no mental preparation, uh, something that I think is also important, even in just a very generic sense or even in a, in a more physical kind of sense, is learning how, especially as a Christian, to, to make do with less. Because we, we may be coming into a time period in which we will have less. Mm-hmm. And are we, are we ready for that? Well, and that comes into the, now that goes back to the rich fool part. That's where the rub is between just having enough food for the winter and having things. That, that, there's where your difference comes in. You know, do we put so much worth in a shelf full of Funko Pops or video game consoles just having stuff? You know, we've we've been talking about intangible things a lot lately, you know, like uh, the esteem of the world, that kind of thing. But what happens when you don't have the luxury of just going out and buying any trinket or bauble that you want? Right. Or even the exact foods that you want. Right. Can we mentally prepare that? Can we say, okay, for the sake of Christ, I can forgo this? Because as Lutherans, especially, we have bought into this idea that anything that is good to the eye is good to go into the body. And so we just recklessly put things into our bodies. We we recklessly spend money and, and, and just say my first article gifts and any talk of, well, is this wise? Well, what do you what do they throw at you first, Zelwyn, 
when you ask that question, you know. Yeah, pietist or legalist. Right. Yeah, exactly. Pietist, legalist. <laughs> you know, I don't have the requisite tattoo sleeves to speak on the gospel or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. But it's strange, you know, people have built up all these alternative mythologies involving superheroes. They've built iconostasis to, uh, they built prayer quarters almost out of, out of toys. You know, we do have kind of this pseudo religion and it's like pop culture based. It's very strange. And to even say something like, Hey, maybe that isn't good for you. Maybe you shouldn't read this or watch this. It's not, it's taking kind of a toll on you, bro, (laughs) is to be considered a legalist a legalist or, or somehow denying, denying the gospel. But it, I'm telling you, it's, it's not mentally healthy. You know, if I engage in a debate with someone and I quote Matthew and they come back with me with a Harry Potter quote, I don't know what to do with that other than throw it in the river and see if it floats. <laughs> like certain iron act heads, but right. Exactly. Well, and then maybe just as a, as a last point too, you know, that's certainly something we should be mentally prepared for. But are we also mentally prepared for, you know, just doing without something, something that you truly enjoy, but is not really necessary? You know, maybe it is lawful. Maybe it is good. Maybe it's not even that spiritually damaging. But is it something that you would be willing to do without if it meant staying true to the gospel for some reason? You know, are you willing to give these things up? simply because, you know, they are part of this world and they will perish in the using? Or are they something that, you know, well, I mean, let me let me use a real good example. You know, during the uh, the current, the problems down in Texas, for example, you saw all article after article after article after article saying, you know, here's how you can recharge your phones, you know, with a low power source or something like that. And it's like, but do you really need your phone that much? I mean, are we are we that attached to it that we have to find ways to make sure we have that above all else rather than say like, you know, staying warm, you know, people dying because they were too cold. Hmm, But the the phone was charged. But the phone was charged. Well, and there is something to say, you know, back to the physical and mental prep about morale, which is what I talked about, which is why I went to candles and board games, but I suppose that some people's well-being is tied to their access to YouTube as well. Now that I'm not saying that's the way it should be. It honestly sounds like I'm only advocating for giving your kids a hoop on a stick. And I say it jokingly now, but five years from now, if we're still recording this, I might I might be like, nope, I was totally wrong. I should have been hard on the hoop and a stick rule. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going all in on it this time. Right. But well said. Well, we got to take our next break. We'll be right back to talk about spiritual prep right after this. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Word, front and center, in doctrine, in history, in life. That's the mission of A Word Fitly Spoken. We've got more on the way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi talking about being ready, being prepared physically, mentally, and now spiritually. And I realize, Zellman, as we're talking about this, I know the words like mental health are kind of loaded, but I think our audience knows kind of where we're coming on this. We're kind of, we're coming at it from a different angle, put it that way. And then spiritual preparation, you know, mental and spiritual kind of loaded terms, but you know where we're at. Right. And if you don't know where we're at, go back and listen to like all the hours and hours of other content to get a, to get a better idea. So spiritual preparation. Now, some of this, really all of this overlaps, physical, mental, and spiritual, because ultimately the spiritual prep will entail both mental and physical exercises. Right. Without question. So start us off. Tell us about spiritual prep. Well, by spiritual preparation, I mean, it's probably the hardest to define in any real concise way, but it's probably also the easiest to understand. And that is just to be, you know, spiritually ready for, you know, whatever may come and to be ready as Christians. So, you know, to be, to be prepared in the word, to be prepared in the things which God is doing for us to basically to look towards him as the, as the way through difficult times. Cause you know, it's it's really easy to get focused on the physical. It's really easy to get focused even on the mental. And you can do that to some degree, even without, you know, having faith in Christ. But it ultimately comes to nothing. Yeah, you can have peak physique and still go to hell. Exactly, exactly. And you could have, you know, a bunker full of, of goods and, you know, still end up in hell. Right. But you could to- be fat and maybe make it into the kingdom. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, seriously. I mean... Yeah, it's not all about that, but this is a holistic approach to things. Right. Yeah, so it's not to say that that your salvation is dependent upon if you if you're carrying around a spare tire or not. Uh there 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 will be many people of varying degrees of uh, physical preparation in, in the kingdom. All true. But just practically it's easier to live if we take care of ourselves. Right. And that you know God wants us to take care of ourselves too. Yeah, so. it's it's being a good steward. But at the same time, you know, we recognize that, you know, being spiritually prepared for things means that we will be able to weather things far better than than anybody else, really. I mean, because, I mean, what what was it that drew people to, say, Christianity, especially in even in the early church, you know, or in, or in hard times? It was that they were, in fact, you know, at peace, that they were doing things that other people were afraid to do. I mean, you, you think of... I mean, they use the the martyrs of uh, Alexandria, for example, who during a plague in that city were the only ones going back into the city to care for their neighbors. You know, and that made right. such an impression on their on their pagan neighbors. Yeah, kind of the opposite of the twenty twenty one approach. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So we understand we need to know the word, and we've done many many episodes focusing on that. It's a it's a common theme here. To, to read the word of God, to commit it to memory, to hide it in our hearts, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. From that, though, we learn all about God. We learn about the gospel. We, we learn uh, about how God would have us live as well. And we learn about the disciplines he expects us to cultivate, namely something like prayer. Uh, how does prayer help us spiritually prepare? Uh, prayer helps us spiritually because it teaches us to rely on the Lord and it, you know, it, re, it 
focuses on us on that which is truly important. You know, God commands us to pray because he, he wants to give us all good things. And, you know, these this it, it really is. It's just a good thing for us to do because then we will see where everything comes from and that even our preparations, mental and physical, are themselves, you know, the good gifts of the Lord. And we can't sure. get that. How, how does one begin to prepare? I think uh, spiritually, I think you have to get into good habits. So daily prayer. Um, we have prayer books to help you learn how to pray. Don't have to have one, but they are helpful. You have to cultivate that time. It's just like physical exercise or mental exercise. Little by little, you build up. So you, maybe right. you start only with five minutes, then go to 10, 15, 30, whatever. Uh, you learn to pray and you commute on the way to work. You're praying when you're out in the fields working, that kind of thing. You start to cultivate these sorts of things. You make it a habit to study the word of God. And of course, you make it a habit to be in church every Sunday at the divine service. The divine service is where we receive the means of grace. We receive absolution. We receive the Lord's body and blood. And these things truly do absolve and strengthen us for the task ahead. They are essential to spiritual preparation. I know you love it when I sacrament post, Zellin. Oh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 you but you really do you really do need these things. Absolutely, a hundred percent agree. And it's also important to remember too, like even even the sermon itself, you know, is is a kind of preparation for us. You know, yeah, the, if, if it's done right. Well, if it's done right, yeah, you know. yeah, and and the sermon and a good sermon will give you the gospel, but it will exhort. There's nothing wrong with an exhortation. You know, we we marvel. There's so many Christians in the pews don't know which way to go because we've got preachers out there that are too scared to tell them which way to go sure. because of some silly debate over whether it's a third use or a third function. Look, I don't know what to tell you. The Bible says to do certain things and to not do other things. Call it what you want, but God's pretty clear. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, is the high, it is the dumbest thing to me that we actually are, are debating over this. Oh, it's a it's a function rather than a use. Well, okay, it's a command. Okay, to do with it what you want, but don't butcher the whole English language over this. Okay, you're a Christian. You are redeemed by Christ. You are saved. You are justified by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Good. We're there. Now, you're a Christian. God wants you and all human beings to live a certain way. How does he let us know? He tells us. And yeah, that's in the form of commands. Even love one another, folks, is a form of a command. It's not a form of a command, just plain is a command. So why is this hard? Well, you know, people just aren't, the, the same people who will deny the law having any place in the Christian life will then marvel as people uh, abandon their spouses or go into homosexual things or, or seek to change their gender and go, well, how did that happen? Because you never said a word about it. Because you told them that the Bible doesn't have anything to tell them about how to live because you hid it under some cowardly philosophy and a false theology that says, you know, oh, well, it's the gospel that motivates, not the law. Okay, what, is that, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, okay, the gospel motivates. I get that because you're, you're justified freely. But that doesn't change the fact that God's word is clear on how we should then live. And we get bogged down in these in these theological debates, which are important, but they've been going on so long that we've developed a shorthand that we use in pastoral circles when discussing these things. And then we bring that shorthand into the practical discussions in the church and our layman's eyes glaze over and they don't know which way to go. 
now that I've alienated enough people, I'm going to keep talking about it because it, it, it needs to be done, you know, to, okay. So the question is, would God have me live a certain way? And so many Lutherans want to go, well, my functions, my uses, or what motivates my law or my gospel. Stop asking that question. Just ask what the Bible says. And stop asking this other question right now. What does the Bible say? You're justified freely in Christ. Okay. You are a new creation in Christ, called to called to cling to God and called to live differently. There is no debate on this in Scripture. Christians are different. Like you said, what attracted people to Christianity early on, Zelwyn? That they were different. Right. And they weren't asking questions of, was this the law or not, or was this a certain function? It was just simply, God tells us to do this, and we do it. What does Jesus say? Love one another. Okay. How do you do that? Well, you love one another in accordance with the scriptures. So that doesn't mean affirming everybody in sin, but it does mean taking care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, feeding the hungry, binding up the sick. It does look like that. It looks like a loving community, which gets us back to physical and mental preparation as well. Our spirit, our spiritual preparation has been so stunted in many ways because men in the office and parents were too afraid to open up the Bible and read it. They're too afraid to let God speak. I, I mean, what, what do I say after that, William? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe we honking noises or something. I don't know. <laughs> but this is how we ended up in the clown world. You look oh. back at, at every great hero in church history, and they were always derided as being too extreme, too far, too rigid in, in some respect, sure. too silly in the eyes of the world. But yeah, don't be don't be surprised when people um, don't know the word when we've been afraid to teach it. Well, and it's it's kind of like you say, you know, what what does the gospel motivate us to do? If you want to use that language, it motivates us to follow what God says. I mean, it's yeah, it. right. Oh my goodness, it's true. God lives and He loves me, and God saves me. Yeah, that should motivate you to listen to what He says. <laughs> to actually follow after His commands. I mean, isn't yeah. that? Isn't that what we're being redeemed for? Yeah. And, and again, I'm not coming. Yeah, actually, I am over these debates because they've been going on so long and they've stunted us so much. Let's get back to speaking the language of the scriptures. And I know I sound like a Campbellite. That's not my intent. Let's look at how the scriptures talk about this. This is why I think the formula of concord is so important, because Lutheranism would be in much worse shape if not for the formula. The formula of Concord, which all confessional Lutheran pastors subscribe to, by the way. The formula is the antidote to a lot of these modern problems that we have, because it clearly says what the biblical position is on on certain things. Sure. You know, so so go back and and read that if you need to. Um, You know, if Jesus and Paul won't do it for you, and John and James, then yeah, go to to the formula. (laughs) Go to all those things, and you'll find uh, that they agree. I like how you just put Jesus and the apostles on the same level as Chemnitz, but not what I said, not what I said, um, <laughs> but whatever it's going to take to convince you. I mean, to, to you know, the, the quia, right? Uh, we, we confess this because it agrees with, is it in accord with the scriptures? And, and we forget that. Um, yeah. So the formula, if, if Lutheran pastors really want to be serious, go read the formula because if you're in the LCMS, or the Wisconsin Senate, or the ELS, uh, you have subscribed to this book. You have made a vow that you agree with this book. You know, make sure that make sure you actually agree with it. 
Sure. <laughs> so I'm coming out hard against people. I, I feel bad when I do that sometimes, Ellen. Not really. Not particularly. I was saying I don't think you're that sorry about no, it. No, I'm not really I'm really not. I you know, when you're in the trenches and when you're and when you're doing this kind of work. You know, it's funny, like the work of the ministry, you know, it has its frustrations or whatever, but it's very, it's, it's, it's joyful. My frustrations are very rarely with the layman in the pews. These people are sincere. You know, you're, you've got dedicated members hungering after Christ, hungering for the word, you know, diligently uh, attending the service. That, And when those people struggle and have questions or you find they have positions that are contrary to, to the Bible, you know, you can you can work with that. You can teach and they'll listen. It is it is the pastors who have gone astray that really frustrate me because they're the ones who are in charge of flocks. And but you know, it could happen to any anybody, any pastor could be led astray, but they are openly leading people astray. And it's easy to point fingers at uh people like uh, you know, like a, a big tent preacher or big mega church pastors, you know, and big faith healers, that sort of thing. But we need to clean house we need, or we need to take care of our own house because we have a lot of these issues in the Lutheran church. Where, where men are shying away from the scripture and people are not prepared because of that. Yeah, judgment will begin with the house of God. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, it's a frightening. Well, see, now you're, now that sounds like law <laughs> and that makes me feel bad. So therefore it is bad. Well, you know, Corinthians is, is what Corinthians does. <laughs> right. But you know, not many of you should be teachers, brothers. And that's something that every pastor, you know, myself included, should soberly think on. And anyways, the, the point is, people are ill-prepared because we've dropped the ball somewhere, both parents and pastors, and yet there are faithful parents and pastors out there. See, this is another thing about preaching the law. We preach it as if it as if every single commandment hits everyone equally, and it doesn't. And so when I'm coming at these people, there are going to be faithful parents hearing this and faithful pastors who think that I'm talking about them. I'm not. For you who are raising your children in the faith rightly, be there your physical children, if your parents or your spiritual children, if your father's in the faith, God sees it, God commends that, and God will continue to sustain that. So as you face physical deprivation or mental persecution, or you, you come up against a spiritual battle that you are surely embroiled in, these words are not directed at you. Okay, Jesus Christ fights on your side. His angels fight on your behalf. You have the very hand of God upon you be brave and be strong and continue to be steadfast. And God never seeks to break the bruised reed or dampen the smoldering wick. All of you who are being faithful, you know, we continue to pray for you and we laud you in everything that you're doing. And that includes people even out there online who are contending for the faith and uh, facing harassment for it and facing bannings and things like that. So, so the, to you people, we commend. And uh, occasionally, Zelwyn, you know, we can get off and just kind of like, black pill too much. And that's really not our intention here at Word Fitly. We want to white pill everybody. The point in all this to say is we're saying don't listen to false teachers, but build one another up, build yourselves up, be prepared for something better. Because what? The hardships that we face now are nothing compared to what is to come. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. As the scriptures say. So anyway, uh what else? We got a few. We got a few minutes left. What would you like to say, Zella? Well, maybe. I mean, you you said all of that so well. So I think maybe the way to close then would be just with some very practical exhortations, because that's always a, a helpful thing when we're dealing with spiritual preparation. You know, to be in the Word itself, you know, is is a is a good and a godly thing. And I know that we've 
like you say, we've talked about that before at some length in previous episodes, but, you know, it bears repeating that, you know, to just read the Bible, you know, read it regularly, read. And if you have any, you know, things that you don't understand, you know, go to your pastor, go to someone who can help you work through these things. You know, that is also part of being spiritually prepared. One thing that I wanted to emphasize, like with being prepared in prayer, especially if you find it difficult to pray, something that has been very helpful for me of late has been to have like a a like a flip a flip pad that you can write things into and you know say like I want to pray for this and you write it down and you want to pray for this and then you write it down you know if you hear of something going on in someone's life you write it down and then that way when you pray you have something to work with and that sure. can be a very helpful thing especially if you're you know, always kind of floundering around wondering you know what should I pray about or you know what what do I say and, you know, on the other hand, too, I think, or not on the other hand, but it, going along with that, it's also important to make that time a priority and make that time as distraction-free as possible. You got little kids in the home. It's a lot harder to do. You know, that sort of, those are the, the good distractions that, that are unavoidable. But we can put the phone away. We can shut the computers down, that kind of thing. Right, right. I was also going to mention, too, with that flip pad, though, I would find a place to either hide it or to lock it away because mm. you, you should be the only one that sees it. And then that way, especially like here, you won't have any hesitation about writing even what somebody might consider a very personal matter about, you know, into it, you know, just just for the sake of privacy, just for the sake of saying, you know, this is what I want to pray about. And then, you know, keeping that between you and the Lord, I think, can also be a very beneficial thing. And then on the other end of that, the part about going to church is set your alarm and make it a priority to get there. Because sure. it is it is it is hard sometimes at the end of a week after you've worked to to get up early on a Sunday. But you can do this. <laughs> you can do it. You know the Holy Ghost is is with is inside the Christian. You'd think that they'd realize that that he can actually get you to church on time. <laughs> Are there any other practical tips? tips or exhortations that you would add, Willie? Uh, No, I mean, it's simply, you know, make the best use of the time, prioritize church, prioritize faith, uh, prioritize the well-being of of yourself and your family. And it begins and ends with Christ Jesus. So the physical part is very important, but you can, you can see that through the lens of Christ too, that, that all things are made through him, including my body. Same thing with the, with the, with the mental health side. You know, what does the catechism say? He's also given me my reason and all my senses. So if we look at preparation as being good stewards of what we're given and knowing that whatever sacrifices we make are worth it for the glory that is to be revealed, you know, then that puts everything in the proper perspective. And and I think the burden is is a bit lighter when we think about things in, in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Zellan, yeah. any last words? Yeah, I... And above all, when it comes to preparation, whether physical, mental, spiritual, really, you know, keep your eyes fixed on, you know, the author and perfecter of our faith, which is Jesus Christ, because he is the one who will take care of you in the midst of all of this. He is the one who will provide for you, and he is the one who will lead you through these times to something far greater than than we can even imagine. Amen. Well, this has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills, here with Zell and Heidi. God love you, and God bless.
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ.